Well, hello and uh, welcome to another episode of Pep Talk, the persuasive evangelism podcast. I'm Andy Bannister and I'm joined as ever by my wonderful co-host all the way from the other end of the country, Christy Mayer. Christy, how are you doing today? Hey Andy, oh what an introduction, why thanks. I'm doing very well, a little bit chilly though. We're always talking about the weather, aren't we? But I'm quite cold. How about you? Yes, yeah, not too bad. I have realised you are on the same the same thought I'd had, that we always start the show by talking about the weather, which is a very British kind of thing to do. So rather than talk about the weather, let's talk about the amazing guest that we have uh, this week. Christy, who have we got with us this week? We have Jeremy Marshall. Jeremy, welcome. We're, we're so pleased that you could join us today. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me, both of you. Well, Jeremy, you wear kind of many, many, many hats. Um, but as we were discussing your potted bio before the show, I think my the, the one we came up with I really like is that you you were the CEO of a bank. You were a banker, but you're now a, a sinner saved by by grace. And yeah. Evangelist, uh, apologist, uh, writer, but also quite the personal story, actually. The, the book of yours that I really found uh, really impactful is your, is your book, uh, Beyond the Big Sea, talking about you your journey with with cancer tell us tell us the story behind that book what what happened yeah so i was um chief executive of a family owned uh, private bank in the city called seahor and co and then uh one day 8 years ago i found i had cancer um i went through treatment and then 6 years ago the cancer came back and um i was told yeah you've got 18 months to live so that's a real shock i had to stop work my whole life was changed in basically a few a few hours at the Royal Marsden. But what's been amazing, Andy and Christy, since that is how God has used that for his glory. Now, at the same time, it's been very hard. I, I would much rather not have cancer. The impact it has based physically on you and emotionally on your loved ones is, is enormous. And I'm not cured. I'm like a walking one-man medical disaster zone. I've had 30 chemos, 12 operations. Um, I've had heart issues. I've lost the sight in both eyes, or I got it back in one eye. But what's amazing is, you know, in the words of the, the book by Paul David Tripp, that we're instruments in the Redeemer's hands. So God has used my illness to open up amazing evangelistic opportunities. And it's nothing to do with me, it's Him, Him using me. Jeremy, that's brother. Uh, thank you for sharing that with us. I can't. I can't even imagine uh, what it'd be like to to endure that and to have such a diagnosis. May I ask, how did you, how how have you been? I guess just leaning upon the Lord's loving kindness. How have you been processing this for yourself? You know, it's a huge shock, Christy, when when you first get told that. Um, I would say, you know, over time, to some extent, you get used to it, right? I compare it in my book to being on a train line, a comfortable train line, where you think the next stop is retirement, and suddenly there's a kind of jolt and you're shifted onto a different line, and the next stop is death. So that takes time to get used to. The single thing that's kept me going the most, I would say, has been been the Word of God. And um, I found, you know, the Bible just like a medicine chest, basically. And boy, do I need medicine, do I need treatment. And um, I've just found so many parts of God's word came to life. I've I've been a Christian since I was a teenager. I grew up in a very, very strong Christian home. My father was an amazing, rather eccentric character. He used to take us Bible smuggling every summer behind the Iron Curtain. So that, that was my childhood. And I was kind of steeped in the Bible. But since I've been so ill, it's really come to life. 
if I think of just one Bible passage that speaks very powerfully to me, for example, Jesus in the storm, Jesus in the storm, because sometimes it appears that the Lord is asleep. Sometimes it appears to me that the Lord is asleep. Lord, how can you just pile on suffering on top of suffering when I've got so many things already and you give me something else? But of course, the Lord is not asleep, is he? Mm-hmm. No, he may appear to be, but he's not. He's very much awake and very much in control of everything. So just that small Bible passage, there are many others, speaks to me powerfully. And the darker the, the darker things are, the more the light pours out of God's word. Now, I I imagine that, that what you've lived through and are, in fact, still living through, Jeremy, that gives you quite a powerful point of connection then with people who are themselves kind of sort of suffering, whether with cancer or other ways. How, how are some of the ways that you've found that you've been able to use, you know, your own story and your own journey then in showing the love of Christ with others? Because I think sometimes, you know, for those of us who are, you know, praise the Lord in, in, you know, in full health, we can sometimes I always feel, you know, afraid of sharing our faith with those who are really suffering because yeah. we don't think we have that, that, that yeah. authenticity connection. You've got that. How have you, how have you used that in terms of sharing hope with others? Yeah, one one specific thing, but I won't speak so much about this because maybe that's less relevant. But anyway, it's just giving me the opportunity to do talks. Right in the in the pandemic, I did about 110 Zoom calls where um I could just talk about living with cancer and talk about hope in the face of death. But more personally, and maybe that's more relevant to people listening to your podcast, um, it's a fantastic door opener. Because a lot of people um, who are struggling in one way or another, suffering, think that Christians are looking down on them and think that Christians have got it all under control and we're, we're fine. And obviously, in my case, that's hardly the, hardly the case. So it makes you vulnerable and it makes you on the same level as other people. So our suffering is used by God as a door opener or a bridge builder with people where if we were, everything was great and, um, yeah, we, we're kind of going from success to success wouldn't wouldn't be the case so how to talk to people who are coping with cancer i think one one thing is to let the let our friend drive the car right in other what i mean by that is if our friend um i'm thinking especially of a non-christian friend here would like to invite us into their car or into their boat maybe in the context of the the storm the the that that's really kind of them what we shouldn't do is try and grab the tiller or the steering wheel, and I think that's a that's a danger. Let them drive things. Let them determine how much or how little they want to talk about things. Um, and how do we do that? I think we ask them questions. That would be my experience. So a typical question I would ask somebody is, um, "Yeah, would you would you mind if I told you my story?" Right. I'm thinking of maybe another person with cancer here, and I've I've been through this many times. And um, what you do is you then you're building a bridge. You're building a bridge. You tell your cancer story. They tell their cancer story or their heart attack story or whatever it is, and you you establish a common a human connection there, right? That's that's the first thing. The second thing then would be um, to be to be smart. Once we built that bridge of friendship and and sympathy and empathy and and being kind and compassionate to that person, to to, to not drive too heavy traffic across the bridge and crush it. Right? <laughs> There's no point in building a bridge of friendship if we then try and build a tank across it. So, how do we do that? The same thing. We ask them questions. We ask them questions. Now, it would be a rather strange question if I asked you how heavy a 
truck can I drive across this bridge? But effectively, that and a, and a, and a very um, obvious question would be, do you mind if I pray for you? Mm. That's a great question with someone who's suffering. Do you mind if I pray for you? And um, when you're in a desperate situation, what I find is that nobody so far of all the many people I've asked that have said no, because what have you got to lose, right? Mm. If you're staring death in the face, if there's no God, right? Just wasting your breath. And um, then another question you might ask someone is, would you, write, would you mind if I, read, if I read a psalm? I find the psalms great door openers because they're so um, written often in distress and pain. And we can also speak personally about what the psalm means to me so that the easiest psalm to start with is Psalm 23, right? Because that's probably the most common known. If people have any kind of folk memory of the Bible, the Lord's my shepherd. And then I would, when we read that psalm together, there are two amazing verses I might just comment on, you know, yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you're with me. So that's what I, I might say to the person if they allow. I might say, look, that's my experience. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death as a you. And what helps me is the presence of Jesus Christ. And then if they wanted to go further, I might say, you know, what's the last verse? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I would say, that's that's also my experience, that 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 I'm being followed by goodness and mercy, and I've, I've got Jesus Christ walking with me. And then stop, right? The danger is, I think we overdo it. We over, we're trying to grab the steering wheel or grab the, grab the tiller. So we must be kind and compassionate to people who are suffering and allow them to determine how much Christian traffic we want to drive across the bridge. Thank you so much. There's just such wisdom there and you know, just a whole, just the wealth of your, your love for the Lord coming through there, Jeremy. Thank you so much. How, how have you found sharing this with people who aren't suffering? So I was just thinking about uh, when you receive the diagnosis, um, uh, how did how did those you were working with at the bank respond? And have you had any ongoing conversations with them as well? Yeah, lots of lots of my, my, my non-Christian friends have been really kind and sympathetic. In the book, I make a joke about one of them who is a kind of um, you know, a longtime friend of mine who's a, who's a convinced atheist. He said, um, when I told him um, a few weeks later, he told me, I gave God a surprise this morning. I went into a church and said a prayer for you. I thought I was really touched by that. I was really touched. So, yeah, um, my, my friends from, from work, um, they, they, they're intrigued, I think, um, and especially in the pandemic, even more so they're intrigued because now this kind of thing that was very specific to me, living under the fear of death, is now with everybody. I like to joke that, um, you know, uh, welcome to my world is what I say in a cheery way because when I had, I mean, chemotherapy, I had no immune system. So every time I was on the train and somebody coughed or sneezed pre the pandemic, I felt afraid. And now, lo and behold, we all feel like that, right? Um, so I find people are very happy to see me. I just like to have a coffee. This is pre-COVID, right? I just like to have a coffee with them. How are you doing? And um, again, the same thing, just ask a few questions. Um, my, my favorite question, Christy, is um, that they say, how are you doing? And I say, you know, I describe my, my treatment and so on. And I say, but my, my faith really helps me. How, how about you? Do, do you have any particular beliefs? Mm. And then shut up. Don't argue with them. 
don't contradict them. If people say, oh, I like to think we're all on a journey or climbing the same mountain, don't say, that's wrong. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You've just blown up your bridge, right? That doesn't help anybody. Say, oh, really? Yeah, tell me about your journey. Which path do you think you're on? Yeah. Um, then my second question to people is, um, did I, I might describe, for example, what I've just said about how helpful I've found the medicine in the Bible. Um, how about you? Did you ever look at the Bible? Most people know never looked at it at all. These are supposedly highly educated people in the city. They don't know. They never looked at the Bible. They have no inf information about the Bible. They wouldn't know the first thing about the Bible. And then I say, "Would you like to have a chat with me about the Bible?" And I've got these, um, I've got these notes. You know, the word one to one that that I find amazing. And um, yeah, of course, not everybody says says um, yes, but. Um, I've never had what I probably asked a hundred people to do it, and I've never had one person get angry with me. Some people just laugh. They say, "Ah, oh, Jeremy, you're not getting me that easily," which I say, "Okay, fair enough." But a surprisingly large number of people, a surprisingly large number of people say, "Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind that." Yeah. And um, what I find there is also that the people who agree are typically the people I don't think would do it. And why would they? Why do they agree in my experience? And I can give you examples of this if you like. It's because God's been at work in their life already, and I didn't know that. Hmm. Well, since you've teased us with that, Jeremy, give us give us, give us an example because I think people listening to the show always love some of the stories that come through. Yeah, I guess give sure. me an example of how that how that played out, perhaps. So I had a friend who came came to faith from a particular background, and then he asked me questions, and because uh, because of his background, and I, I thought. Oh, I don't, I don't really know the answer to that. So I went to a friend, a Christian friend who comes from that background, and um, I didn't give the person's name. I just said, you know, here's a couple of questions, and um, from a business friend of mine. And after a bit, this Christian business friend of mine said, "It's not so and so you're talking about, is it?" I said, "Yeah, that's exactly who it is." How did you know that? He said, "Well, that's really strange when people say that." By the way. I've learned that that means the Holy Spirit's at work. <laughs> he said, that's really strange because about eight years ago we had dinner and we had a really deep conversation about the Christian faith and I haven't seen him since. So I went back to my my, my friend who I've been reading the Bible with. I said, you know, if you don't mind me, I, I asked so-and-so. He said, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that, that set me thinking, right? How was I possibly supposed to know that? Hmm. Well, let me give you another example. A friend of mine who's a Christian, the guy who got me going, actually, who's chairman of an insurance company, he felt God was directing him to go and talk to someone whose wife had recently died. And he drove like 50, 100 miles to see this guy who's a friend of his. And um, he said, same thing, would you like to have a chat with me about the Bible? And the guy said, oh, yes, I'd love that. <laughs> My friend was taken aback as we can be, right, as Christians. And years later, when this guy became a Christian, his friend explained you know, something strange happened, right? Same expression. Um, my daughter was in an Olympic swim training thing in America when her mother died. And um, her roommate was a Christian and her roommate just read, read a few Psalms to her. And the daughter had said to the father, oh, dad, you should look at the Bible. I found it so helpful, right? So when my friend came, God had already been at work. So I've, I, a fundamental principle, Andy and Christy, I believe, is that God is at work in far, far more people than we know. But our lack of faith stops us going further. What we must do is we must gently try the door of the life of people with a couple of questions. And we will find that doors that appear closed are actually open from the inside by the Lord 
who's been at work. I can tell you many more stories. I'll tell you another friend of mine who who I started with and then he stopped for about two years. And then he started again about 18 months ago. And um, he said uh, to me two things. He said, Jeremy, I appreciated you taking the interest in me because, you know, every few months I'd said, do you want to start again? And he said, I'm too busy. And the other thing he said, something strange happened, the same expression, right? He had a plumber into his house to redo his bath. How many Christian plumbers are there? And this guy, they got chatting, and this uh, my friend said, oh, I used to read the Bible, and the plumber said, you should start that again. It's a really good thing to do, right? That's nothing to do with me. That's God. That's the, the supernatural intervention of God. So we are but instruments in the Redeemer's hands. But one thing we must do, I believe, is gently try the door of our friend's of our friends' lives, right? Just gently, not hammer it down with a sledgehammer, but just gently try it. And we will often find that God has been at work there. But we won't find that until we until we try the door. And how do we try the door? We ask people questions. Well, your, your passion for, for the Lord and for others is just contagious, Jeremy, completely contagious. And I think that takes us to the, the Passion for Life um, initiative that you're, you're part of. And can you tell us a little bit about that? What, what is it? What does it do? How are you involved? Yeah. Thanks, Christy. So a Passion for Life um, was around about 10 years ago. Some of your listeners may remember it. It's a kind of group of churches encouraging and helping each other in evangelism. Um, but it, it, it basically fell into abeyance. It, nothing happened for about the last six, seven years. But a group of us, um, myself and a guy called Nick McQuaker, who's a FIC pastor in um, in, in Haywards Heath we, and, and, and other people, we've been working to revive this. And um, for the last 18 months, we've been planning and investing. And um, we just relaunched it again a couple of months ago. If you go to the website, you'll see a ton of stuff there. And what's it, what's it about? It's about encouraging and supporting and equipping local churches and individual Christians in evangelism. So if you go to the website already, you'll see there's a lot of videos and ideas, and we've got got more. We've got 500 churches nearly signed up for this, and we'd like a lot more. We've also got, um, in the different parts of the UK and also the Republic of Ireland, um, steering groups in Wales, Scotland, um, Northern Ireland, and, and the Republic, um, and the goal is not to tell people what to do, it's to encourage people because people are discouraged. And a lot of churches um, and a lot of individual Christians have just stopped. So um, we, we know we should share our faith, but we don't know how. So we want to encourage in a bottom up grassroots way. This is not about, you know, the days of Billy Graham are gone, right? This is not a top down thing. It's about local churches thinking, oh, yeah, this is good and that's good and I'll use that. And we're also trying to encourage churches across the UK and the Republic of Ireland to join together in um, in, in, in a mission um, in the run-up to Easter 2022. When we say a mission, again, we don't mean top-down, big-name speakers. We mean local churches doing local evangelism and encouraging um, each other in that. And that's been one of the things I've experienced, by the way, in lockdown, that a lot of churches have found a, a real massive opportunity you know, I've spoken in churches. I don't want to insult anyone where not only had I never heard of the church, I'd never heard of the place. I had to look it up <laughs> on Google. Where is this place, right? And you've got these uh, often relatively small churches, and they've been so encouraged by people taking an interest and, and people's openness to talk about the things of eternity in the light of COVID. So, um, yeah, if, if you're interested in finding out more or you're interested in your church getting involved, please look at the website. It's a passionforlife.org. 
Well, that's uh, fantastic. And what we'll do is we'll put a we'll put a link in the show notes to uh, so where people can find out find out more. Which actually is a natural place to bring things to an end because we've hit the we've hit the twenty minute mark. Jeremy, we're hugely appreciative mm-hmm. for so much of what you've what you've shared, both your personal story, but also I think the the big mm-hmm. takeaway for me from our conversation is just that sense of you know listening to the Lord, seeing where He's already at work in the lives of those those around us, and just praying that we'd have the opportunity to come alongside what God is already doing. Because I think yeah. sometimes right the pressure in evangelism is we think we have to do all the work and all the effort, and actually realizing that actually God is out there already ahead of us. Yeah. God is the evangelist. We're but humble instruments in his hands, but we do have a role to play, right? And also, if we honour God with that tiny, trembling first step, which was me, right? Nervous, didn't know how to do it. God will honour that. God will honour that. God honours our weakness, our feebleness, our illness, all of our incapacity to do things. Brilliant. Well, Jeremy, thank you again. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on 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 Pep Talk. And uh, so from all of us here to you at home, goodbye for now. And Christy and I will be back with a new guest in two weeks' time. Thanks for listening uh, to Pep Talk as ever. Bye for now.